What happens when we return to the historical fantasy of feudal Japan for another statuesque entry in the Kami Kaiju collection of films? Well, join us to find out as we finish this final chapter. This is Kaiju versus History. Daimajin strikes again. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your vengeful god, Miles, here. And hopefully not angering me in the last 15 minutes of this episode is my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing, buddy? Hello! We're we're back in Damagen territory. <laughs> yes, we are. Either and... the, the hilly forest or the island or the mountain where... <laughs> The statue there, there, exists. There, there always seems to be, yeah, <laughs> a couple of, of locations that, even though they're not the same, they're the same type, <laughs> it feels like, in these movies. But, yeah, yeah like you said, we were doing Diamonds and Strikes Again. That was released in the Japanese theaters on December 10th, 1966. Now, Patrick, I am a little befuddled, mm-hmm. a little <sighs> stumped, because on the Arrow dvd that came out what like last year i could have sworn this movie was called wrath of diamogen so yeah. i'm gonna need you to tell me immediately what's in the title because this has been throwing us both off from the duration of what we do with this movie <laughs> <laughs> well we, we talked a little bit about i think already some of the confusion on i want to say the, the prior dvd set maybe the mill creek set or or no, it was, it was the one even before that had the title of the third film as the second film. I think the third one was called Return of Daimajin, and it should be should have been called the Re-Return or the the Second Return if for for the third film. But yeah, it, it is a little bit of consternation here at the start of this episode because it's been released on VHS, DVD, the Arrow trilogy collection, but. Each time it seems to have convoluted the the titles or what we're going with the U.S. or international titles a little bit more. If you look up this movie right now on IMDb, it is listed under Wrath of Dimension. Okay. And that is, like you said, what's on our, how I just watched it on the Arrow Dimension trilogy. And the second one is Return. The first one is just Dimension. But if you look on Wikipedia, it lists the international title as Dimension Strikes Back. And that was also the prior Mill Creek DVD release name of the title. So you're going to find that that was about a decade ago when those came out. You're going to find a lot of reviews for that printing because that was like one of the more wider U.S. releases under that that title. So I think the the YouTube video up from the depths is a, a kaiju explorer and, and reviewer that uses the the title Dimension Strikes Back. But yeah, one of the resources Wikipedia uses is Stuart Galbraith's book, The Japanese Filmography. And while I don't own that book, I, I took a peek inside. And indeed, there's also <laughs> another title that gets thrown around with this movie, and that's The Return of the Giant Majin. If you look these films up on Rotten Tomatoes, that is 
uh, Return of Giant Mon- Majin is there, and the second movie is listed as Wrath of Daimajin. So they could be wrong twice on <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah, I, I've decided to use Daimajin Strikes again because that is what I see the most of. I mean, in five years, maybe it's going to be more colloquially known as Wrath of Daimajin because of the Arrow box set, which just came out 2021. Yeah, I, I, I personally prefer Wrath of Daimajin myself. They're both really good. I like, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Empire Strikes Back, so Daimajin Strikes Again is a cool title. The literal Japanese title is Daimajin Gaiukshu, or Daimajin's Counterattack, which... I feel like Dimension Strikes Again, Dimension's Counterattack, they're a little closer, even though I think one of our alternative titles for the first movie or the second movie was like angering the. <laughs> yeah, the, the I, I think it was also Dimension's Counterattack. Yeah, like, I feel, there, I feel like couple, we brought that up a couple weeks ago. The Japanese, uh, <laughs> the no, the German title for the movie is Dimension Frankenstein's Monster Takes Revenge. <laughs> gotta get Frankenstein. Uh, get, yeah, you, you just gotta. I mean, I love the commitment. I don't know if it was like the German film production or if it was the Japanese being like, oh no, these these guys love their Frankenstein. Yeah. But I, I I love it. I I love that that theme has has persisted. Maybe one day we'll have to like imagine our own actual Frankenstein movie for 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 that. <laughs> We've already reviewed it, Miles. Technically, two of them. No, 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 like a good one. Oh, okay, yeah. So part part of the the problem with the the title is this movie never came out theatrically in the United States. We got, I think, AITV's dubbing of the first two films, but this one wasn't dubbed until 2012, and that Mill Creek release. So 46 years after the movie came out, and yeah. So, and when, like I said, when that happened, that uh, initial English release was called Dimension Strikes Again. So and, we have a. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. We're, we're uh, going on just, to talk about this movie. Yeah. So we have a total. I mean, I I harped on the last one for basically just redoing the first film, and there is certainly an element of that because you have once again some other evil warlord. You know taking advantage of some mountain people, but instead of focusing on some sort of royalty or long lost son or any of that sort of situation, we have a child's adventure movie. It's it's Daikaiju Goonies, basically. (laughs) I mean, yes and no, except with, you know, if one of the Goonies dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, he was swept away. Yeah, we don't don't have confirmation of death, but we never see him again. They don't show his body splayed out on the rocks, which is what I thought at first had happened to one of these kids. I was like, oh, my gosh, one of them just fell to their death. But yeah, no, I've seen different reviews. But before I even was reading about, you know, researching this movie, Goonies came to mind. But also Lord of the Rings. I'll talk about some of the similarities. I, I definitely feel Lord of the Rings more than Goonies. I think I'm just associating Goonies because oh. it's four kids on an adventure. And I recently rewatched the Goonies for like my by aunt, like my twice a year watching of that amazing <laughs> Ron Howard film. Stand by me is another one that came to mind. Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, you got the dead child. <laughs> yeah, they're they're on their way to resurrect a dead god. <laughs> but yeah, we've seen. As I mentioned before, the forest evil god, the lake island god, 
and this is the snowy mountain version it's it's all three different flavors of ecto cooler of uh, <laughs> your starter pokemon of majin that you can choose from in in these three movies even though they don't really act any different <laughs> i mean they're they're all no the, 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 the majin actors, well no so. i actually i will say the the one thing that's more interesting about the majin in this one is he does seem a lot more purposeful in this film mm. he also seems to protect the children yeah, yeah, we we do get that theme, which brings it, interestingly enough, a little closer to what we're going to see in, in later Showa era films, which is, you know, these giant monsters being protectors of children. And we see that in this movie. And yeah. Gamma doesn't have a monopoly on that. <laughs> Daimajin is in hawk form, help save the kids. But the beginning of the movie is that is that what the hawk's supposed to be is that supposed to be the diamogen or is that i thought it was supposed to be like some sort of like hawk spirit that was you know yeah in congress with with diamogen i i think they are separate entities because i think it's like his avatar in in the world i forget exactly what the old woman in the movie said but it protects the children but it is also brought back to life by the the diamogen although it's still a little confusing like the statue isn't <laughs> Daimogen. Daimogen is the spirit. Kami, yeah, the, the the god that like inhabits the statue, right? <laughs> we don't we don't really I, get an explanation of like who built the statue. Where I don't know from? how that works. And because it's the same freaking statue in all three movies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same it's the same suit actor. I want to say it is the same suit actor in all three of the trilogy, yeah. uh, Chikara Hashimoto, who so, uh, while this job. yeah no i mean he's he's fantastic and i feel like he even though i the destruction in this one isn't as spectacular as the prior two i think i feel like the suit actor got a little bit more to do yeah yeah at, at the end i mean it's not like this he can really emote in the the life mask very much but he draws his sword yeah <laughs> the, the sword that's i think has been on the costume all three movies. All three times, yeah. I, I don't think he's drawn it except Which, for this one. Again, I think that's why he had it out for this guy who was going to try to kill kids. Mm. He just he, he, he pin cushions him <laughs> amazingly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I did want to talk about the the children a little bit before we get into it. Mm. I mean, the, the movie is is fairly simple. In that it's just these kids kind of adventuring to save their family. And yeah, spoiler warning, they don't really. <laughs> they they all are about to die. And we get a deus ex machina of, in the last 15 minutes, Dimension coming in and well, saving them. So I was a little confused because I thought their whole purpose was maybe to, to pray. Because I, I, I was a little confused on their actual mission. Because I know they said something else when they started off. But then they're going towards this camp. And what do they think they're going to do? They're just going to help their family escape from Hell Valley, <laughs> the evil, <sighs> okay. evil valley well, of heck. That was an ill-conceived <laughs> mission for them. This, but this does have that kind of incredible journey style of adventure with yeah. these kids. We and start, start off with Shuro Chiki, who's our kind of like the, our Frodo, our main character, his younger sibling eventually tags along little shugi uh my man shugi can can save the day all he wants i love that kid 
I, I didn't realize it was a, a bow he was carrying until yeah. that scene where it's like, what, what, oh, all of a sudden he has an arrow in his other hand. I'm like, someone's about to get shot. <laughs> it's so great. Paid. Like I, I thought it was like a musical instrument or something or a toy that he was he yes. had. Yes. And then when he starts shooting the dude in the leg, I was like, this is amazing. This kid came prepared. Yeah, and besides that, there's a scene where he goes on a stealth mission to steal the samurai's food and is, like, hilariously competent at sneaking around them. Now, Shugi is the hero of this movie. (laughs) Well, you've also got Kenta, who plays kind of, like, Samwise is the the second fiddle here who does pass away, maybe? The late Kenta. (laughs) The late Kenta. And finally, the... The, one of my favorite characters, the very bombastic, loves to eat Daisaku, <laughs> who is who's, who's like dad the dad gets John like dunked in like molten sulfur. I think it's his brother who who passes away. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be his father because he's like take no. care of Daisaku and no. I, I, well, I think maybe his father might have already passed. Okay. Okay. They, the samurai took everyone else because yeah he he was very concerned about getting back to his little brother and i want to say it was shugi and shuro chiki's father who they were going for i'm not sure right no that was trying to save maybe he i think i think you're right i I, I just got i got i got to call the kids mixed up so in terms of like who whose person they were trying to get back because (laughs) daisaku is so sad at the end well no the brother the brother the brother Somebody's brother comes back at the very beginning of the movie. The woodsman that escapes. Right. Yes. That that is. Oh, maybe that's Kenta's brother. I'll need to go back and watch it because at first the kids kind of blend together and then they they start giving them a a few more differences. Personalities and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that that grows as as the film goes on. But so here is here is the the the. I think that the large issue for me about this movie, because like you said, this is essentially this is the movie is. The kids go to try to rescue their families from this warlord who has essentially kidnapped them and used them as slave labor. Not dissimilar from the first film. Mm-hmm. And then you know, the Daimajin pops in the last 10 minutes of the movie, wrecks everything. Everyone's saved the end. The, the middle, I guess, the, the, from, the, from the very beginning when you have the escape to the moment where the Daimajin hits is this kid's adventure movie. And I think the concept is awesome. I think the kids are extremely fun, but I feel that the script does not do anyone any favors. I don't think it plays to anyone's strengths. I don't think it leans on the kids enough to, to have any development or, or do anything other than follow kind of the plot. And for that reason, there are parts of this movie that feel very by the numbers and very slow to me. I will say I wasn't really ever bored with the movie until Dimogen showed up and it turned into the same ending as the the prior two and not as spectacular as the final two. I was really hoping we would get more from the final kill. There's kind of a death blow in all these movies where the, the evil warlord gets what's coming to them. And we went from getting like impaled in the first one in a gruesome manner and like carted around too, like he was holding up the body for a while to being burned at the stake in the second movie, which is probably the worst of all three of them to this one. He gets like stabbed through the heart 
dies immediately. Very, yeah. I was I was expecting him to be like held underwater in the sulfur vents, or his arms and legs yeah. being broken and being tossed in there to to drown, like something really metal. But then I was like, are they trying to make this one more kids friendly? <laughs> I, it, so it was impossible to tell because when the kids are on screen, which honestly. For me, anytime the kids weren't on on screen, I was disinterested. Mm. When we were back at, at Camp well, Hell or whatever, I I honestly I was like, all right, let's yeah, let's the, come the on. B yeah, plots don't really go anywhere. And you, you you're introduced to those characters fairly later on as well, the the captured loggers. So it is understandable that they are only like 10% of the movie maybe it's it's very small just showing what yeah. the, the situation and what is happening at the the camp well, the brother of of uh, Daisaku is played by uh, Junichiro Yamashita who we saw last as uh, the photographer Ayagi on in 1965's Gamera I did not recognize him in this role and it's not been very long since I mean, it's I mean, only been it, a, a year I, I will say movie. it's it's been a it's been a while for that since we've seen that movie. Yeah, well, because <laughs> of, of our recording style. So, like, I'd say it's been like been a little bit, 12, 13 episodes. But it, it, I just didn't recognize him. But it was it was fun to see because a lot of these these Dimension films haven't had a lot of crossover actors with other other projects. Even though the the first Dimension was on a double bill with Gamera versus Baragon, right? In the beginning of 1966. Yes. Oh, it's been a while since we did that episode too. Toru Abe plays the the evil lord uh, Arakawa, does a really good job. His second in command, good actor, the the samurai that that come after the kids. Everyone's doing a good job here. Kids definitely as actors. I think the director, Kazuo Mori, did a great job getting what he could from them. I don't think they were really like <laughs> what we would consider professional child actors today, because I mean, there's not a lot of emotion I, on their face. It's, it's like, hard to say because very little effort went into directing kids at this time. This is across yeah. the board. Kid, kids in American movies are the same way. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 I can't blame the kids. I don't know if they, they had any acting experience prior. I also don't know if the director tried to get much more from them because there are plenty of times when you can tell the kids mm. are, trying to remember their lines or just like they're just basically reciting their lines but yeah, the um, kids did little... have a little bit of a they had they still brought their own little presence to their roles mm -hmm. little little shugi just had like the same like the sun is in my eyes kind of smile the entire <laughs> film he was just happy to be here now, and i think that was that was also great, part of the character though there was a lot of great physicality to to their roles in in the way that they were you know it, it's basically like a an extended play day but yeah they had them hiking up like real mountains and some real <laughs> yeah. rugged looking terrain which is, is great because like shugi being the smallest it just looks like a drunk toddler <laughs> yeah. like trying to catch up with these kids i know i i really enjoyed the kids i thought this was the most inventive of the diamond stories after the first one i mean of the three but like we see the first we see the first styled twice and that starts to kind of get old very fast so even though we use the same villain convention by focusing on these kids and making it an adventure story i think that does a lot of good the the weird thing for me is that 
Oh, I just lost what I was going to say. I know you were about to say something too. So you go ahead. Oh, I think I I was going to say kids, kids make the movie and they kept me interested in watching the movie. And I will probably rewatch this one because of those kids, you know, (laughs) because 100% that storyline. And yeah, the only one that I don't see myself like wanting to get back to you anytime soon is the second of this trilogy. Oh, no. I, I, Just because I, the first one's sitting right there, and they're so similar, and the first one is a whole point better, you know, on our yeah. On the, our the, scores. the first one's fantastic. I I could actually see me getting this this trilogy set permanently for those two movies. I don't know how often I will watch them, which we'll talk about in a little bit when we talk about the Diamonds and Trilogy as a whole. The weird thing about this movie, this is what I was going to say earlier, is this mm-hmm. film is tonally odd because. Yeah. It's an adventure film, but then uh, you can argue kind of the home alone nature because these these guys chasing them are actively trying to murder them. And well, at first they're like, we need to, to know if, or find if they know anything about like what's going on here. But then once they catch up to them, they're like, they're, they're, they start shooting. Kill. Yeah, well, yeah, they're shooting arrows at these children. So uh, uh, that, that was after they got. <laughs> Hilted with arrows, so maybe they're yeah, like, but also that, around. one of the best scenes in the movie, I think, is the the crossing of the stream or the the the, the yeah the the, the felled the, tree. the ravine yeah that is probably my favorite part of the film. It's probably mine too, mostly because like Shuki comes out with the bow and arrow, and just like <laughs> the way they film these little arrows hitting these these guys, <laughs> it still feels so dinky. Yeah, no, it's like they don't. They don't seem to penetrate very far, so it makes sense. You know, he's like well, and, four years old. And that's the kids' movie aspect of it. It makes sense. That's the kind of Goonies fantasy yeah. of it. But then you have like family members being boiled alive. You mm-hmm. have the even the the, the Diamogen like freaking impaling this dude. And they don't go, they don't go super soft with that blood. No, no. I I I, I you will have, say you have the, I think, the hawk gouging the guy's eye out. <laughs> oh yeah, the hawk going after after their eyes is is pretty intense. I will say I think it is the least extreme of the three movies in in general because well, you spend so much time with those kids. But and yeah. that's what makes it so totally weird, though. Yeah, like, and then he gets to Diamond and he, he is back to his old tricks of just crushing people <laughs> under his his feet and and smacking them up. But yeah, it does it doesn't. Just the movie as a whole feels a little bit lighter than the the other two. And they're not, I mean, we've talked about this now for all three of the movies. They're not connected in any way, but they still feel like they are all, it does feel like a trilogy because you have like the same writers and producers behind the scenes and the same amazing, if not repetitive, soundtrack by our, our main man, Akira Ifukube, which... This one maybe more than others just remind me so much of the Godzilla soundtrack. The, it, uh, the beginning all, all licks, three times I have said this, and yeah. yes, a hundred percent, even more so in this movie. Yes, yeah, it's so funny because the movie we're getting to next week is a Godzilla movie without Akira Ifukube, and it's is definitely odd. <laughs> this feels yeah. more Godzilla esque, and that soundtrack is such a major part of it. But thematically. I mean, they all feel very similar. This one definitely feels like an odd man out, uh, though, from the other two. And that's good and bad for a a couple of reasons. The 
like I said, this one didn't come out in the United States and would only come out 40 something years later in home release here in the US. But the series does have a bit of a legacy. We, we mentioned that there was a television show, Spiritual Successor, Daimajin Kanan. But also last year when we're recording this, Daimajin returned to the big screen in, in 2021 with the Great Yokai War, which from this movie that we're reviewing this week to that movie is a 55-year absence from from the silver screen uh, until also getting a glow up. I mean, he looks very <laughs> oh, yeah. different, but I also love that the image that you've posted in the, in, <laughs> in our notes. Yeah. In our notes. <laughs> These two kids. Yeah. I, who, I'm excited I mean, to watch that movie. I, I am too. That. Cause I'm getting, I'm getting obviously wrath of Dimension vibes, but the, <laughs> these two kids have the goofiest like looks in their faces <laughs> on the shoulders of Dimension. And I'm, I am excited to see how whatever is happening right now happens. Yeah, great yokai war guardians film came out last year, and I do want to get my hands Keshi on it. Mike did that, correct? I believe so. Man, and that man has a wild career. <laughs> yep. So let let's get to our our rating of of this final film in the trilogy. All For right. me, it, it's high marks. I think I enjoyed this as much, if not a little bit more than the first movie in some places, even though this was this was very slow in parts. But these child actors, I was never really bored because we just haven't seen anything like this in 48 episodes of this podcast so far. We've not seen like right. a full childlike adventure, which is crazy. This is kind of like the first one, you know, <laughs> It's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like, this is this is the, the first one. But yeah, I I think this one gets the the edge out. So I did I gave this one of my highest scores of this trilogy as a nine out of ten for my enjoyment. What about you? Hey. So I I always feel like the the stick in the actually I, I didn't give it a bad score. I gave it a a seven. Mm. I didn't rank it as high. I had a very good time personally. I thought the concept was gangbusters. I loved the the incredible journey meets Goonies style of focusing on the kids. I do think the script just it should have tailored itself to really highlight and kind of make the kids' journey a little bit more exciting than it was. There yeah. there was a lot of moments that this that felt really dry and and honestly, anytime we weren't with the kids, I was looking at my watch. I, I think the the one scene where, you know, the family member gets killed is mm-hmm. pretty good, but everything else I just didn't need. There were there were these weird callback, callbacks to the village. Didn't need that. It made no difference in the movie whatsoever. So I just that kind of stuff kind of really kind of held me back from giving it a higher score. And like you said, Dimension's rampage was a little ho-ho compared to the other two. I agree with you though. I will say as we go on to the technical score, I think it, this is the most impressive looking of the three as well. So I gave it very high marks in that regard. I, I would ding it for, I mean, maybe the acting if, if not the, the script is at the very least while it has problems, not super predictable. 
<laughs> I did not see the the main yeah. kid jumping off the cliff to to his death potentially <laughs> at the end. Yeah, and, the, the, there there is that aspect. That yeah, <laughs> that's I thought like, all that's the good... kids had died at one part of the movie, but uh, technically, I think this this is the best looking of the films. We have some fairly amazing miniature work with Dimension once again. Not as many full buildings as, as in the previous two or, you know, giant walls or things like that getting destroyed. But we see him on screen for a long time and interacting with folks a lot. But beyond that, I think that's probably the least interesting part of the movie. I think some of the, the better looking shots are, are these amazing locations that they, they've found and the sets that they've built to to contain these these kids, the 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 set where they were going across the ravine on the felled log, for example, stuff like that looked really good and, and, and worked well in the movie. So once again, I'm giving it a nine out of 10 for the, the technical aspect. I dare you to match me miles. I, I can promise you. I won't. Um, <laughs> I also gave it a seven because well, I, I do agree with you. I think this technically mm. is a very, very competent movie, really great use of its location. Uh, and I do give it high marks for that, even though it it's not very inventive. Otherwise, I feel like the direction is very simplistic. It's not very involved or kinetic at all with the characters. And the script was, uh, yeah, it was wild for me. There, there were parts where I thought that this is it just, it dropped its interest for me. Mm. And then there were also some really questionable things for me. Like, okay, so the, the, the movie opens with this great moody score. You've got the the lightning and there's earthquakes mm-hmm. and then someone starts screaming Majin's gone wild again and i'm like what is this weekend at birdies this is well yeah, yeah, yeah. seven out of ten I, I can understand that for the technical but for the evocative nature this is where i'm dropping it down it's for kind of what you're oh, explaining <laughs> oh oh no you, you had more <laughs> no, on the no, technical no. oh no. Well, no so i also had a i mean again for the script they use the same dropped item convention for the bad guys to find that they've used in uh, all three movies. Yeah. Some people, some people might like that, but by, by the time that, well, um, it, it's the same author, you know, the same writers. Right. So I can understand that, <laughs> but like that, that just, I think because it shouldn't bother me, but it really does because I was kind of hoping the one group of people that didn't do it were the kids and not only do they do it but they also just wait three seconds for them to go up the hill and come out as opposed to waiting for them to leave yeah i was a little confused by that as well they're like let's hightail it out of here Um, while they're within earshot i also want to know how these kids didn't die of hypothermia when there was a blizzard overnight (laughs) what well we're led to believe they stayed up all night, you know, didn't get any sleep and just kept themselves warm, which I mean, I guess you could do in a survival situation, I, I, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, they don't the survive though. They, two of them die of exhaustion the next day. <laughs> that, supposedly. That's true. Yeah. There was a point where I thought all the kids were dead. Like, like you, yeah, the script just had a lot of issues for me. And while I agree, I think this is the most active and involved Dimogen is. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot for him to do other than, you know, yeah, he, go yeah, on a warpath. He, get, he get goes the on a warpath, and it it certainly doesn't look bad. Like again, seven's not a bad score, but I think it's just average. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's kind of how his stuff is for me with this film. But again, I I liked it. I just I think that that this one this one had the potential to be my favorite of the franchise, and I think I'm marking it more harshly because it wasn't. 
The first one still is because, man, if they had just done a couple things or maybe up some comedy a little well, bit. So, they- so much of my enjoyment of the technical aspect of that first movie was the directing and the acting, the actors yeah. that they got in those roles, including the old shrine maiden and and everything but those were that was top tier kaiju performances oh, oh yeah i mean we switched did not get that one because i gave that a nine and a ten like i was all for what happened the first one yeah i'm a little less kind when we're talking about the sequels because of that and you know also these are all being filmed at the same time but yeah and like like you were alluding to before i said i wasn't done yet it, the the what drags the score for all of these movies, but especially the second and third one, is the cultural aspect. I mean, this right. one didn't see the the light of day for us, you know, officially until ten years ago. And I'm digging it significantly for that, even though this seems more like a a sixties kaiju movie. Like this seems more in line with what we're going to see than the other two movies. That while there were kids in those movies, they were not like a major part of it. So it both exceeds and lacks in what I would call the evocative nature of the trilogy as a whole. But then as a kaiju movie, it also is is really good. So despite what I said in kind of the preamble of of the show, the you know, the showing of Daimajin's destruction in the first movie, if they had like started with a flashback or something, I think really could have helped that movie. And even mm-hmm. though we get that here, it doesn't really help this movie no. because the well, also don't say Do- <laughs> Majin's gone wild. <laughs> Majin's gone wild. Well, they attribute all like their, I mean, it's the same thing in the first movie. They attribute know, natural disasters and the and, localization of that phrase. <laughs> they they attribute their snowstorms and earthquakes to the Majin, which is something you know ancient cultures would would do. To sure, the sure, sure, sure. You know the gods are bowling when when it's thunder and lightning outside. But it, it seemed like that could have been more useful in the first movie, where that was a major part of one of the characters, the Shrine Maidens kind of arc <laughs> is 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 uh, damning the the evil feudal lord because he he doesn't believe in things like that but yeah it doesn't really feel like it's it's needed here it, it was interesting and it looked really good but story-wise it didn't feel like it needed it but yeah the the end of this movie the destructive kind of power of of Daimajin, we get some new powers and things <laughs> like he has the ability to throw his sword and cause like the, the earth to split in two, which is cool, but it's it's cool. The effects are amazing in that part. It just it it was the least interesting of all three mm-hmm. of them. A lot of a lot of use of that giant hand prop, which felt kind of <laughs> like Michael Myers stalking after a teenager in, in the house. <laughs> the Lord was able to just <laughs> kind of like slowly stumble away from it. And I was like, how long is this hand? Like, how is he getting in and under the house? And then <laughs> when he gets outside, the <laughs> Damajin is just standing there and it's like, oh, you didn't think that one through, did you? <laughs> but yeah, it feels least like the other two Damajin films, but more like a kid friendly kaiju movie, which I wonder if I, we unfortunately don't have any statistics on like how each of the movies did over there. I bet this one did do the best, though, because it came out during you know, the holiday season in Japan in, in December. But yeah, le- 
probably the least weighty and important of the trilogy, but the most fun for me. But still, for for its evocative nature, now I'm I'm rambling <laughs> in this part. I gave it a six out of ten, very low because well, I enjoyed it. I don't feel like if you wanted to get the pure spirit of what this trilogy is about, you would go to this movie. If that makes sense, it's so confusing. I, I, I gave it the exact same score. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the cultural and evocative nature of this trilogy is by reputation that it has in kaiju circles because a lot of people speak very highly of the Daimajin trilogy. Right. Um, I, I have found that reputation is not completely deserved. I think the first movie is phenomenal. And I think the third movie is extremely fun. And the second movie's there. It's it's a passable movie. Like if you showed it to me, like, you know, like I said, I yeah. I was not, I didn't trash it, but I wasn't super excited about it. And, <sighs> and, but with all of them, you know, we're seeing more, a little bit more damage and stuff in the last 15 years than we probably ever have. There was a TV show. It's popped up in the great Yokai war <laughs> guardians. I, it, it could possibly mean that there's rumblings for more damage and stuff in the future. So, I mean, th- that number might seem silly next year. Who knows? But yeah. as, as it stands, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with my six. Yeah, it it makes sense that we, we dropped a point on the second film, Return of Daimajin, and with your score of a an average of like a a low seven and mine low seven. as a an eight, it's going to bring our show score to a seven once again. Basically, the same score that we gave Return of Daimajin, even though I think it was kind of a lower seven, if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, the first one. Our, our show score was an eight and I think they're all kind of in the same wheelhouse, but if you were going to watch one of them, it'd probably be the first one. Yeah. It, it really does have something a little bit that edges out the, the other two, even though this one is still really good. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah, no, I, no, no, I, I get it. I get it. The, and I, we talked about when we did the second review that if the second one had been, first the first one that we watched maybe we would have liked it more but i don't think so because i really do think those performances in the first movie kind of put it a little ahead it's so hard because there's so much shared dna between all three of the movies but there's also so much difference between them mm-hmm. that i mean just just the nature of of them making these films that's going to do it for the the Dimension trilogy i i <laughs> It's so crazy that these all came out in 1966, but each of these episodes had like one or two (laughs) episodes of our podcast between it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's wild that this (laughs) we started this year, what, two months ago? Yes. Yeah, these started coming out in the beginning of the summer and now we're kind of at the end of the summer. (laughs) These this episode coming out 1966, a big year and. It's still not over. <laughs> That's right. So next week is episode 49. So please join us as we return to the land of Toho. Fine. Our first Godzilla film in 10 whole episodes. Can I can't believe, believe that. It. Yeah, I know, no, it's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> and and one of only a handful in the show era not directed by Ashura Honda. So please join us next time as we take to sailing the South Seas and explore history versus. Ibera, horror of the deep. Bomb, bomb, bomb.